Welcome to a new edition of Culture Shifts magazine podcast, documenting shifts and changes in culture and corporate culture worldwide. I'm Moritz Gautlitz, founder of Culture Shifts, and I'm in Milan today, and my guest is Chiara Costa. Chiara is an art historian, researcher, and writer who took over the role of head of programs of Fondazione Prada in December 2019. She's now in charge of coordinating the development at Fondazione Prada's cultural program and managing its institutional relationships. Welcome, Chiara. Thank you. <laughs> How is it so far? I would say it's going very well. Uh, maybe I actually started a little bit before December. So just to try to train a little bit before the official beginning. I would say, it's yes, it's very positive. It's a very interesting uh, change for me because uh, since 2012, I was the editor of the publication at the Fondazione, a job which I loved, I have to say. I was very surprised when I was offered this new position because I couldn't at first understand re the relation between working as an editor and working as head of program. But then I have to say, as I started, I realized that there's a lot of elements in common between the two works. It's a lot about organizing content, basically. I found out that I was a little bit more prepared than I thought <laughs> I was. So I'm happy because I can use my my skills as editor in this new job. But I'm now forced to concentrate much more on the bigger scenario. While when you work on publications, you mainly you work into a defined field, which is the book. And it's a lot about small details. And now I have to uh, force myself to drop a little bit the small details and think wider than before. So thinking about exhibitions, partnerships... Yes. Choosing artists. Whatever cultural activity we do here at the Fondazione, which includes not only the exhibitions, but also, let's say, the cinema program, another uh, program of conferences, musical events, exhibitions that are not related to just to contemporary art. So the array of activities is very wide. Also because we don't have only just a space in Milano. We have two spaces in Milano. The other one is Osservatorio. It's in the Galleria Vittor Emanuele in the very center. While here we are a little bit in the out, well, outskirts. I can say outskirts because Milan is a small city, but actually we're very close to the center, but still it's considered a former industrial area and therefore still a little bit in the outskirts. Beside this venue in Larguesarco and Osservatorio, we also have another venue in Venice since 2011. It's a Baroque palazzo on the Canal Grande with uh, three floors. So it's a very big and prestigious venue. And we also run the activities of Prada Rongzai, which is a building in Shanghai and we organize there two shows per year. So far it's a lot of things to put together. Yes. How long in the future you plan actually exhibitions and also interdisciplinary programs such as music, theater, film? Well, I would say that when it comes to art or better, when it comes to exhibitions, you have to have a program which you have to think about at least two years before. B 
because if you need to show something and if that something comes from someone else, like let's say a museum or an institution, you need some time to make these official requests and the museums have to consider these requests also in, based on the, let's say, the climate conditions or other requests they may have. So it's very important when you do an exhibition to plan it in advance because you need time to make exhibitions, whatever they show, but it takes time. We work more on a yearly basis for music and for the cinema. While for the shows, we are already working on 2023, let's say. And of course, in parallel on 2020, 21 and 22. So yes, we try not to be too late at programming big exhibitions. Otherwise, it would be just impossible to do it. But luckily, I guess that Fundazione Prada, like they have lots of people that help or like worldwide that is pretty well connected with curators and uh, maybe art handling and all that stuff. Yes, I would say that maybe from 1995 when the Fundazione was started until 2009, the activity was two exhibitions per year and it was two exhibitions, solo shows devoted to an artist. So at the time, it was much easier to organize. And most of the time, the idea was to realize an impossible project for an artist, so something utopic. So it wasn't so much about asking loans, uh, etc. Since we opened the space in Venezia, in 2011, we started doing big, also historical surveys, which means having a lot of loans. And uh, since then, we have developed very important relations with other museums uh, and with other curators. Yes, I think it got bigger and bigger the more we worked. And since we opened the space here in Milano in 2015, the activities are overlapping all the time. So the moment right now we have two exhibitions related to China. We have a show about the Chinese porcelain, uh, historical porcelains, and about Liu Ye, a Chinese painter. But next we're going to open another show about Franz Kafka's three novels and the way an artist, a movie director and a band developed these contents in three different spaces. So it's three interpretations of the work of Kafka. So since 2015, it kind of exploded this kind of net of connections that we have, not only with the art world, but also with the cinema world, performative arts, etc., etc. Yes, because our activities brought us to be in touch with many different people. So would you say that Fondazione Prada in Milan is a cultural spot, like a cultural hotspot for any kind of cultural engagement in art? Yes, definitely, I would say so. It's not at all a place just devoted to arts and not just devoted to contemporary arts. We opened in 2015 with a show of classical statues, so an archaeology show. And uh, as I just said, we have the Chinese porcelain from uh, 16th century. So uh, the idea is not at all to be just contemporary. The idea is to make things which can be relevant for the contemporary thinking. And also for the city of Milan, I guess, because looking at the 
museum landscape in Italy in general, it's quite difficult on the public side. I feel like Fondazione Prada has also the aim of maybe being a private institution that can be seen as a public one as well. I would say that that is something that the audience decides in a way. So in Milan, there are a number of private institutions and Milan has always been the city uh, devoted to economics, etc. In, in Italy. We are a private institution for sure. But the fact that we have so much audience gives us the responsibility of a public institution, at least the perceived one. So whatever we do is for an audience, it's for a lot of people. And the fact that we are private doesn't really impact our thoughts on the audience. Yes, it impacts maybe the way we do it, because unfortunately in Italy there is not so much public is devoted to culture or I should say it's less and less in the more time goes by the lesser money the government spends in culture unfortunately that's true but yeah I think it's more a matter of attitude for our audience we want to be like any museum or campus or theater just devoted to the audience and what about the artists and the people you work with, like curators, artists, filmmakers? They seem to be very open as well. So they perceive you not as just a private institution, but also as well as a, like an honest institution that makes a program that the public is interested in. Yeah, I think this honesty that you just mentioned was built on time because the Fondazione has been open now for 25 years. And quality because what we did in these years has been reviewed and I think if the results hadn't been that good you would say it now while every time we approach someone especially since 2015 everybody knows what the Fondazione is and most of the people have visited it so it's a big responsibility and also something that makes us really I would say proud because before you would maybe have to explain what the Fondazione Prada was. But you can really see now the results of a good quality approach that lasted 25 years. We often work also with the same artists. I mean, it's not so strange that we work with the same artists for like, like twice or more than three times. There are some with whom we worked a lot, like Thomas Demand, Francesco Vezzoli, let's say. But also there are some architects with whom we work often, like, of course, Francolas, who built the building, but who has also curated the display for many other shows. We worked twice with Alejandro Iñárritu. He not only did a very interesting cinema program, but also he did the very famous installation three years ago. It was uh, titled uh, Carne y Arena, and it was a VR installation devoted to the experience that Mexican migrants uh, have while crossing the border. And it was open for many months because only four people per hour were admitted because the experience was... Uh, solitary one, just for one person at a time. So we're also very open to organizing things that are not 
an exhibition. It's hard even to explain what was it. Uh, <laughs> it was an experience. Yeah, basically an experience. It wasn't a, a show, for sure. It had a small exhibition, in a way, at the end of images of real migrants and real policemen on which Iñárritu based the whole story. But, yeah, an experience is the right word. Maybe what actually whatever we do is experience-based, yes. Do you think that the experience in culture or in art general is getting more and more important? Because I experienced Fondazione Prada, like when I visited it or when I saw also the Carne Arena installation, it feels like the display is something that is really important for this museum or this cultural space, if it's in Milan or in Venice. A lot of people nowadays talk about experience, but they talk about it in terms of marketing. So they try to sell you things through experience. It's not about that here. What I would say is that also the architecture of this place was designed already as something which forces you to be the curator of yourself while visiting this place. I mean, the ticket desk is not right at the entrance. There are many areas in which you just walk and you need your coat because it's outside. You also can go around the Fondazione in the open spaces without a ticket. You get a ticket only if you want to visit an exhibition. So I think it's very different from the traditional idea of functional museum. The idea here is that things must not be easy. Coming to a museum is not about doing an easy thing. It's about finding something that makes you think and that simply gives you different inputs that you expected. So that is why it shouldn't be all easy. We just sell books, our books, basically, in the bookshop. Uh, we don't even sell like a pencil or nothing. It's so much about the concentration on what we're doing here. And yes, I would say it's very much based on the experience and it's not easy. It doesn't have to be. It's about the content you mentioned in the beginning of mm -hmm. the conversation. Yeah. So it's about the content and how the content is perceived by the audience and also maybe how it is translated by you yeah. as the head of programs and the curators. Yes, I would say that what actually I do is to put together and create a sort of harmony between all the very different proposals that we have. So one of the projects we're mostly uh, interested in at the moment is big survey on neuroscience. It's going to be developed in the next two or three years. So how can you match this with an exhibition of medieval art. That's the thing. Sometimes uh, it may seem that whatever we do is by coincidence. Of course, it's not. I mean, the idea of having Liu Ye, a contemporary painter, and the antique porcelain uh, opening the same day is not pure coincidence. It was choice. So yes, it is two topics, uh, very different one from another. But both of them, after you see the shows, they give you tools to study and to feel what can be the relationship between the Eastern and the Western world, historically and today. So that's the main idea. We always try to create a link in the yearly program, let's say, 
So it's very likely that maybe when we will do the neuroscience project, we will also try to pair it with something that makes sense with this. I should not also forget that we do have a space for kids, which is called the Academia dei Bambini. And also the Academia does not do like a laboratory, a workshop, which is linked to the exhibitions that we do, which is what museums usually organize. They have their own program, but for example, next year, we're going to find a common ground between neuroscience and the story of language. And that would be interesting because it will be the first time that, in a way, we can see their work in parallel with the one of the Fondazione for Adults. So yes, that's going to be very different. And maybe we'll develop further workshop for the academia, also maybe for teenagers, who knows. Speaking of bringing together people, like getting synergies, is this also part of like a, maybe the future of Fondazione Prada that you bring not only neuroscientists and artists together, but also scientists or developers or AI specialists? Yes, of course, because we don't have a director. We don't have an artistic director, which is really the first thing that should tell you we don't want to be seen as an institution which only operates in the field of art. The idea is to operate in many different fields and try to link them together. Uh, that's the main uh, mission. So, yes, I would say that is why we don't have a director and that is why we try to work with a lot of different experts in different fields and, in different, and on different contents. How important are partnerships, also corporate partnerships for Fondazione Prada or for the museum and the space? I would mention maybe the last which happened, which was we collaborated with the Kunsthistorisches Museum in Vienna because we had a show curated by Wes Anderson and Juman Malouf, which was started in Vienna. And then the, the exhibition came to Milan, but it was uh, strongly reworked uh, in a whole new section. So that's the kind of institutional partnership that is more interesting to us. We also co-produced exhibitions recently with the Serpentine Gallery in London, with the MUCA in Antwerp. I mean, that is interesting. When another institution is working on something that is of interest for you as well, it really makes sense to put together efforts and do it together. Yes. And you said it uh, started five years ago, that it got bigger and bigger. It might have something to do with the space, I guess, because speaking of a Fondazione that exists for 25 years, but without a space, just with different shows somewhere, do you think that the space is something that is really important also nowadays? Yes. I think before, for the first 20 years, there were venues in Milan, but which were not officially Fondazione Prada, and which were not open all year long. Then there was Venice, which was maybe the first step in this kind of identification. And then this complex here in Milano is so much symbolic that really made a big difference, I think, also in the way we work. Because the way the spaces, because it's not one, it's many different spaces, have been conceived, force us to work in a certain way. So you cannot do whatever show in whatever space. You have very much to work on the identity of every different area of this place, including the outside. So it's like if this place is already a paradigm 
of what we do, I think. And how much freedom has the artist in the end to choose how, well, where to show? In theory, total freedom. But as I said, for example, you cannot do a show of very ancient documents on paper in every space. You need some climate conditions, which are mainly possible in the spaces that were built on purpose, not in the ones which were renewed. The freedom is very wide, but then you also have to stick to what is possible. And depending on the project, we talk to artists and we decide uh, where and when we can organize something. Sometimes, you know, they come and they, and maybe we had in mind we're going to do this show, I don't know, in the North Gallery. And then artists come here and in a totally unexpected way, they fall in love with the Cisterna. And okay, then you have to be ready to rework your program. And if it's possible, that's good. I mean, it's also very important that artists can work site specifically because that's the attitude with which the Fondazione was founded in the beginning. The Fondazione, for me, um, like from my point of view, is a bit like Fondazione Prada. It's like a new brand that got created. Maybe speaking of a brand is wrong. I don't know. It's my question to you. But it was part of Prada as the company. And it's a good best case example on how an independent foundation out of a brand emerges. Mm -hmm. How important is the brand Prada for the Fondazione and well, vice versa? I would say it's fundamental because it has been a huge freedom in terms of activities and program to be supported by just one brand, basically, because that gives you a, an enormous freedom to act. And I would say that also the role of Miucha Prada is also quite important because it's not about being a president who signs paper, not at all. She's very much involved also in, the, in deciding the program and sometimes in talking to artists because some of them she knows them very well. So there is a personal relationship. So I would say Of course, it's a fundamental relationship, yes. I don't know how it is for other foundations or institutions which are related to a fashion brand, because this is the only experience in this sense that I have. But I would consider it a very strong bond. Maybe a personal question at the end. Will you be able to work as an editor still, besides working as the head of programs? Interesting question. Sometimes I kind of try to do it, <laughs> but like trying to give uh, suggestions, uh, even if not requested. <laughs> I just miss it very much because it's a beautiful work. Especially I always found it a beautiful work because exhibitions, you do them and then they close and they disappear and they just don't exist anymore. So a book is what is left of it. And that's why it's been so important always to have books accompanying the exhibitions. I would say I will not have so much time to do it, uh, probably none. But there are a few projects I'm still involved because I have to simply finish them. And um, I guess not so much in the future, but I will always be very happy to uh, be available for my colleagues if they need me. Yes. Thank you so much, Chiara Costa. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Culture Shifts Podcast. 
For more information, please visit cultureshifts.net.